So we are trying to de-spookify a little bit the Holy Spirit because we believe 100% that the Bible teaches that God is one God that has revealed himself in three persons. And so you hear about God the Father, you hear about Jesus the Son, maybe you've heard this language, but, but, but I don't know how familiar you are with the Holy Spirit. Now, what I found is, is that sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, people get a little weird. They get a little freaked out. Is that true? I mean, sometimes it's like, you know, what, what, what are you going to talk about? What's, what's really going on here? Is somebody going to, you know, start doing something weird? You ever had these thoughts? I mean, come on. Are you guys with me this morning? Okay, I just didn't know. I mean, last service, they were just not very good. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. So you guys are going to be better, right? And you're going to be better this morning. Okay, I want to hear from you this morning because I need your help because I believe this is one of the most important things that we can get in our life is it's important that you understand that God is Father. It's important that you understand that Jesus is the Son and the implications of those things on our life. But it's also so important that we understand who the Spirit of God is, that God has revealed Himself this way for a reason so that we can have all that God wants to give us. Now, I, I'm one of those people, I don't know if you're like this, but when I go on a trip, I don't usually plan for it. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes I'll show up somewhere, like I'll get on a plane, show up somewhere, and not have packed what I needed to pack. You ever done that? Anybody? Am I the only one that does this? I, but my, now, my wife, on the other hand, she's always thinking about, you know, you need this and you need that and you need this. And so we're very different in that sense, you know, because I just kind of show up and hopefully I'll have it. And if I don't have it, I can go to the Walgreens. Right? I mean, the Walmart and the Walgreens, I can go there and get my own toothbrush and maybe some socks if I need them or, you know, we'll figure it out. <laughs> Here's the point. Sometimes in life, we are going through the journey. We are reaching for the things that we're supposed to be reaching for. We're moving in life, and we don't bring along on the journey what we need. And, and, and here's the point. Many of us here today, there are many in this room that we're cool with the Holy Spirit as an idea, but we're not real excited about getting to know the Holy Spirit because there's parts of us that have ideas about who the Holy Spirit is or what the Holy Spirit does that makes us go, yeah, I'm good. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? I mean, that's why this series is really described as the non-spooky way because we want so much for you as a follower of Christ to, to have that experience to be able to encounter God in this way. And I'll explain why that's so important in just a moment. But we desperately want people to get a hold of this because if you don't, there's a good chance that you'll live a powerless life. And I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you at all. And as your pastor, I want to make sure I give you everything that the Bible teaches so that you can grab hold of it and be able to not only know about it, but apply it and experience it in your own life, okay? So all I'm asking you to do over the next four weeks is simply have an open mind. I'm not asking you to believe everything I believe. I'm asking you to see what the scripture says, okay? Because that's what you have to deal with. Because if that's the word of God, which I believe it is, 
then you need to deal with that. And when the scripture says something, our job is to say, okay, I see it. Now, how do I get that in my life? I want that in my life. That's it. And so I'm just asking that you would have an open mind about this. And so as we kind of despookify this, I hope that you would be open to experience the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, that you would enter into a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, a lot of times we hear a personal relationship with Jesus, don't we? We've heard that language, but we also are called to have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. But before I do, I have to give you a little context. In the, in the Bible, there are two main sections. There's an Old Testament, and then there's a New Testament. And in the first four books of the New Testament, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You with me? And so these are what are referred to as the Gospels. The Gospels explain and show us all that Jesus was doing. When he showed up on the earth, it tells us his life, his ministry, and we learn all kinds of things about Jesus and God and all of that. But then right after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's a book that's called the book of Acts. Now, the book of Acts is there to help us see historically how the church expanded. So Jesus shows up. He says, hey, I want you all to do something with this. And so the church is born, and there you start to see the story unfold in the book of Acts. Now, one of the things that if you've ever read the book of Acts is the book of Acts starts with something that's really important. Jesus says to his disciples, hey, don't try and do this on your own. Matter of fact, everything I've taught you, if you leave this place without the person of the Holy Spirit, you are not going to be able to accomplish what I've asked you to accomplish in this world. Like, if you leave this place, that's what's going to happen. You will fail. And so Jesus says, wait, and the Holy Spirit will come. Because I promise that. The Holy Spirit is coming. And when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible says that you will receive power to do the things that God has called you to do. That's it. Simple, right? But what happens sometimes is we forget the story. And, and we're like, well, that's good. Jesus is great, and I love God, but I'm not sure about this Holy Spirit thing. And so what happens in the church is we've taught that the Holy Spirit is something that people experience normatively as they are baptized. And so when someone is baptized, there's this normative teaching that says that you receive the Spirit of God in your life. And I don't think that's wrong. I think that's a good teaching. I think it's a solid teaching. It's an orthodox teaching of the church. And all orthodox means is it's right teaching, okay? And so it's just something the church has been teaching for a very, very long time, all right? And, and, and so I, I believe that's true. But then I read particular passages of Scripture that seem to kind of mess with that a little bit. You know, you ever had that happen? It's like you think you got God in the box and it's all figured out and I got all the checks and, you know, and then all of a sudden you read something and you're like, hmm? Right? Well, in, in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 1, we read this story, this interaction that Paul has with some disciples, okay? Let me make sure I say that again. Some disciples of Jesus Christ. Get that. Let me read this to you. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
the church had been expanding. There was a church in Corinth, and there was a church in Ephesus. And so Paul shows up in Ephesus, and this is his interaction. There he found some, let me stress it, disciples. Get it? There were disciples of Jesus. And he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, you know what they're about to say. Well, you don't because it's not on the screen. <laughs> How you answer that question is important. You know, that's an important question because Paul was asking it for a reason. But then the Bible says they answered, no, no, Wait. what? Right? No, we have not even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. That's curious, isn't it? I mean, that's kind of a curious statement. And, and, and so now what you're left with is that these guys were disciples, and yet they had not had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. So in life, this is what I believe that that was not something stuck in time. I believe that that is happening today. That that actually can happen today. That there are people that have been raised in the church or maybe they've been baptized. They have a, 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 some experience with the Holy Spirit. Maybe they've heard about him or maybe they've read the right doctrines or they've went through confirmation, come on. And they got all the stuff, but yet... When they're asked, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Their answer is, hmm, I'm not, I'm not sure. Right? There's no sense of absolutely. Now, there are people that go with the absolutely. They feel very confident in that. They feel very strong in that. And some of those people, you know, you don't like them. They freak you out. You feel like they're spooky. You're like, whoa, it's just, you're in the spirit world, are you? You know, you get me. And so my point is, is that, that, that this is something that actually can happen today. It's not just something that happened back in the book of Acts. That God is revealing himself as the third person of this holy trinity, which is the spirit of God. And that there are disciples out there, and you may be one of them, that had this encounter where you're like, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. Or maybe you're on the other side of it and you're like, I know all about it. But here's the point I want you to get is that we have Christians in this world that can be saved, that you are going to heaven, but you are not living with the power, presence, and personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. That can happen. So you literally could be on your way to heaven, but not have that personal relationship with the Spirit of God. And so here's the question I have. Why? Why would anybody want that? Why would anybody want to live in such a way that they don't have that relationship with the Spirit of God? And what I figured out is I think it's just that people are kind of freaked out. They feel like it's a little spooky or they've never been taught. And so my hope is, is that through this message series, you'll receive what the Bible says You'll hear what the Bible has to say and that you will say, yes, Lord, I want that. Not I want what pastor's peddling. I don't, I don't need you to accept what I'm peddling. 
I'm asking you to consider what the word of God says. Because the word of God says that you can have this. That you don't ever have to wonder that the Holy Spirit can come into your life and live in you. And as a result of that, you experience power. You don't just experience an idea of God, but you actually experience the very presence of God that then is translated into your life in such a way that you actually see it start to work. That the stuff in your life starts to, 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 the things that you couldn't get over start to be defeated by the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. That sounds pretty good to me. But if I said to some people, hey, you want the Holy Ghost? You'd be like. <laughs> but if I said, hey, you want power? You want to be able to overcome fear in your life? You want to overcome anxiety? You want to overcome that addiction? You want that marriage that you're in right now that's horrible? You want it to be healed? Well, then all of a sudden you're like, yeah, well, that, okay. I'd like some of that. Well, you don't get that without the person of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to start with something that I think is kind of fun. As you look in the Bible, the word spirit or Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost or however you say it, because I think it's kind of unfortunate that the King James Version went with ghost. I'm just telling you, that's my opinion. Because I think what happens is you hear the word ghost and you're like, <gasps> right? I mean, who's like, I want to go to the ghost house? <laughs> Except some of you weirdos that show up to them horror places. What are them called? Haunted horror houses? Yeah, I don't get that, y'all. I just don't. The Bible says that perfect love casts out all fear. Why in the world do you want to put yourself in a place of fear? I don't get it. But you go ahead and mess up your brain. In Jesus' name. <laughs> but there is something about ghosts that kind of freak us out, isn't it? It's like, oh, that's scary. Well, I think part of the unfortunate translation there is that, that that's, the Holy Ghost gets mentioned that way, and some people don't like it. Well, they've kind of modernized it now, you know, so now you have the Holy Spirit that's a little more acceptable, right? You're like, okay, spirit, I can get into that. But, but here's the thing about the language. If you go back into the Old Testament and you look at the New Testament, you'll see that the word in the original language has nothing to do with that. Like, it's, it's, it's actually kind of fascinating. So the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, okay? So here's the word that's in Hebrew that is then translated Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Here's the word, and it's the word ruach. Isn't that fun? Ruach. You have to have kind of like a little guttural sound on the back end of that thing. Ruach. Because it's Hebrew, so you get ha. So, so, so ruach. You with me? I just want to make sure you guys are with me. It literally means a wind, breath, a violent exhalation or blast of breath. That's what the word means. That's the word that gets translated Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. In other words, there was a translation. They were like, yeah, let's call it this, right? Because they're trying to help people figure it out. They're trying to say, okay, well, this is what it is. And so let's see if we can make help people, right? Well, I actually think in some ways they maybe confuse people a little bit too. And so we have to get this. This is really important we see this. Because if the Bible is saying that the word is not Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, but the word is breath, wind, violent exhalation, blast of breath, well, that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of important that we see that. 
Well, fast forward into the New Testament. The New Testament was written in Greek. And so the word for spirit in Greek that, that, that they translate into spirit is the word pneuma. Okay? Pneuma, it's not panuma, no P, that's like silent, but it's pneuma, and it literally means a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. Isn't that good? The, 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 so, so what's happening is the Bible introduces a metaphor to us, and the metaphor is this metaphor of like wind, a, a, a breath, a blast of air, a, 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 a fresh air. Yeah, like a, a, almost like a breath of fresh air. I kind of like that. Isn't that cool to think about that the Holy Spirit is really a breath of fresh air in your life? I need some fresh air, don't you? I mean, sometimes before I put my feet on the floor, out of bed, I've already got things coming at me. Don't you? You already got that text message or your kid has been putting his feet on your head <laughs> while you're sleeping, you know, or... I don't know what it is, but you're already, the day's already coming at you. And sometimes you just need that breath. You need the breath of God. You need the, the fresh air of God. That's what I think is fascinating, is that we get scared about ghosts, but, but we have to really see what God's getting at. There's, a, there's something about God's nature, his personality, that's being translated to us that we've got to see. And it's translated with this metaphor of air of wind and ah oh, i like that is that different is that new i think it's probably new for some of us out here is to think about it in this way but here's the point it's not that you would get focused on the wind and be like god i worship the wind no you're not supposed to worship the wind what i'm saying is is that god has presented this metaphor so that we can understand character aspects of his nature his personality, so that we can relate better to God. Because God wants us to relate to him. So he's, you know, like he does it all the time. He's like, see this, it's like me. Right? See this, it's like me. Well, wind. He's trying to get you to see something about wind that relates to your relationship with the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Get this. And so it's important that we see the characteristics of wind. I mean, if we're going to talk about wind, let's look at some of the characteristics of wind. So here's the first one I want to share with you, and that is that wind is unseen, isn't it? Like now, we see the effects of wind, but we don't necessarily see wind. You see the effects of the wind, but you don't necessarily see wind. And so it's this metaphor that's there to help us understand. Now, in John chapter 14, if you want to read this, go back and read John chapter 14, 15 and 16. Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And in 14, 15, and 16, he's talking about that departure. And he's saying, hey, guys, it's going to get rough. Like he literally says that. It's going to get hard. But don't worry. I've overcome the world. Remember this? He says, I've overcome the world. And matter of fact, not only have I overcome the world, I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you an advocate. And so that word advocate is mentioned multiple times throughout 14, 15, and 16. And advocate comes from the Greek word paraclete, which means come alongside. 
Does that make sense? So, 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 so the Holy Spirit is sent to come alongside. The Holy Spirit is there to comfort you, to, to be there, to be with you, to never leave you or forsake you, even though Jesus is in heaven sitting at the right hand of God and will someday come back in final victory. He said, hey, you don't have to wait. You have my presence now. And it's through the Spirit of God if you want it. And you can have this experience if you want it. And so the Spirit, the wind, is, is unseen, but we see the effects. Listen to this in John 14, 15 and 17, or through 17. I'm sorry, 16 through 17. And I will ask the Father, I love this. Jesus is asking the Father on our behalf. And he will give you another advocate. See, see the word advocate? To help you to be and to be with you forever. Then you see the spirit of truth. So that you see the word advocate, but then you see the word spirit, which is the word wind. Get this. So there's this wind coming. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be with you. So what's, it, what's he saying? He's saying that the world looks around and they say, you guys are a bunch of crazy people. Because you're seeing stuff I don't see. What's that about? Well, this whole thing is about faith, isn't it? And so what, what happens is, is we think that it's, we've got to see it to believe it. Now, there's some truth to that. The Bible is very clear that there's fruit as a result of something. So you do see fruit as a result of something. But, but God says, the only thing that pleases me is faith. And so there's something about faith that's more important to God. There's something about this that God's trying to help us to see. That just because you can't explain it or see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That there's something going on that you can't see. And he says, unbelievers go, yeah, you guys are nuts. Because they can't see it. And here's the other thing. Some of us who are believers in Jesus Christ say, yeah, you guys are nuts. Because <laughs> I don't see it. Because sometimes what happens is our reason, our empirical data, get in the way of our faith. Now, I'm not saying that you just need to carte blanche, just accept something simply, you know, because someone says it. Use your brain. God gave you a brain for a reason. But don't ever let your brain stand in the way of what God can do. Because here, here's an interesting thought. God reveals himself in the ordinary in order to relate to us, because we're ordinary. So he comes into space and time, into the ordinary, and, and reveals himself to us. But God is extraordinary. God is over and above it. He's outside of the boxes we've created. So just because God has revealed himself in this particular way, does not in any way mean that you can stand up and be like, that God you can't do. Right? Because God, God's revealing himself for a reason. He wants you to know him. But it doesn't mean that he can't function outside of the, your, your ordinary. It doesn't mean that he can't go further. It doesn't mean that he can't give you more. And so it's so important we understand that just because we don't see it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Christian, just because you don't experience it now doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And it doesn't mean that it's not available to you now 
Because last time I checked in 19, it said that there were some disciples that didn't know. And God doesn't say, you dirty rats, I can't believe you didn't know. Paul slaps them in the face. No, he just says, well, let me talk to you about that. He begins to pray over them, and they begin to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. It's a beautiful thing. And so that's what I hope for some of you today, is that you, you would just be open to whatever, the, whatever God's doing. You could have been in this game a long time, but God wants to give you more. So we need his presence. We have his presence. Wind is unseen. Wind is also unpredictable, isn't it? Wind's very unpredictable. Like, I don't know about you, but I've seen some wind do some crazy things. You don't always know where it's going. Listen to this. In John 3, 8, it says, Jesus answered, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I think that's kind of curious. Is that the, 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 there's wind and it's unpredictable. The Holy Spirit is unpredictable. And yet it says that if I'm born of the Spirit, there will be an aspect of that relationship that I can't always predict. I think that's good. Makes kind of life exciting, doesn't it? A little spicy. Spiritually spicy. Isn't that fun? And so wind can be unpredictable. But, but, but see, God... God's not all that interested in just being predictable to us or just being ordinary. Let me, let me give you an example. So, like I said, God reveals himself in the ordinary and the things that we get and understand. So, like in the Bible, there's this story. I don't know if, if you've heard of it, but there, God shows up in a burning bush. Okay, how many times did he do that in the Bible? Well, as far as I know, one. So, he revealed himself in a burning bush one time, in the ordinary, here you go. Here's a, here's a cool story. Here's kind of a fun story. So Jesus healed people, right? I don't know if you know that, but he healed people. He, did, he performed miracles all the time. So this guy brings his friend to Jesus. His, his friend is blind. And he says, hey, Jesus, can you do something with this? Can you heal my friend? And, and, and rather than Jesus reach out his hand and pray for the guy to be healed, he bends down and he spits on the ground. He goes, Pah! I don't know if he did that, but maybe he just let it dribble out. So the dribble comes out. He, he picks, he goes down, he kind of does this, you know, and he gets some mud. He takes that mud and he sticks it on the dude's eyes and he says, Be healed. I don't know about you, that's kind of weird. Isn't it? I mean, if somebody did it, you come, come forward. I'm going to pray for you. Rick, get me some dirt. Right? I'm just going to spit in it, and then I'm going to pray for all of you people. Exactly. You'd be like, I don't want to have any of that. And I, 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 But why would Jesus do that? Why would he do that? Here's what I think. Sometimes what happens is we get so married to how it's done that we forget the one that's doing it. So we get so married to our structure, our form, or our process. In other words, here, I'll give you, this is what I mean. So the guy had seen Jesus heal people, and maybe he saw Jesus heal people, and in that process, Jesus would reach out his hand, and he would put his hands on people and say, be healed in the name of Jesus, Right? So the guy saw that. So he comes up to him, will you lay hands on my friend? Because that's what he knew. 
And Jesus reaches down, spits in the, he spits in the dirt, gets it, puts it in the guy's eye. And I think it's because Jesus is trying to say, look, you, you don't get this twisted. Don't mess this up. Don't miss this. This isn't about how. This is about who. This isn't about that. It's about you understanding that I have the power to do this. And I could do it like this, or I could go. I could do any of those things because I'm God. And that same guy, Jesus, says to you that I'm sending you the one that gives you that kind of power. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The same person of the Trinity that says, Jesus says, that because you have this person in your life, you will do greater things than Jesus. That seems pretty awesome. And why wouldn't we want that? Why wouldn't we be willing to knock down those things that stand in the way? Sometimes our brain or sometimes because we saw somebody do something and we don't want none of that or we feel like God may send us to Africa. It's always Africa. You know, that people are like, I don't want to go to Africa. Please, Jesus, don't send me to Africa. I've been to Africa. It's a great place. I'll be all freaked out. God wants to help you, not hurt you. You need his presence. You need his power. He's unpredictable. Just like wind. You know, wind is also powerful. I'm from Oklahoma. I know about wind. They call it Tornado Alley. I mean, tornadoes, it's, a, it's literally like the Super Bowl in Oklahoma. Like, tornadoes show up, we get out on the porch. Like, ooh, look at that one. Now, if it's an F1, we're good, you know. We'll go, actually go walk down the street with it. But if it's an F5, you get underground, underground because if you don't, you're going to die. But you've seen what wind can do. We've seen the power of wind. We just came through hurricane season. We've seen what wind can do. It's powerful. And let me just ask you this. You're going through something in your life that you don't have the human power to overcome. And the Bible says that you have power that's even greater than the wind. That's greater than what you see the wind do. Why not? Why not take hold of that power? Why not grab hold of it and run? Because God wants you to run. He wants you to take hold of it and get all that you possibly can because he wants you to experience the relationship with the Spirit. And then Acts 1.8 says it very clearly, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That word power in the Greek is the word dunamis, and it's where we get the word dynamite. That's explosive. That's explosive power that God wants you to have in your life. And so, do you want that? Do you need that? I think so. I say put down whatever hurts, habits, or hang-ups you have about the deal and move towards it. Because don't you think it's double dumb to let someone who maybe has been weird with the Holy Spirit keep you from the Holy Spirit? Don't you think, it's like, it's like the person that says, I'm not going to come to church because Christians are dumb. I'm not going to get saved because Christians are mean, unloving. Well, that's just dumb. 
You should get saved regardless of what Christians do. You see what I'm getting at? And that's what we do with the Holy Spirit because we've experienced some weird ones. We've seen people do weird things with the Holy Spirit. And we're like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to bark like a dog. I have no interest in barking like a dog. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit's not weird. People are weird. And just because someone who's weird does something weird with the Holy Spirit and says the Holy Spirit made them do it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is weird. It means that the people are weird. Right? And so, so don't let weird stand in the way of you having that in your life. Reject that idea. Don't let that do that to you. I, that just seems double dumb to me. You don't want to do that. I tell you, I've met some weird people in my time. I'm looking at a few of you right now. Some of you are like, don't, don't look at me. Don't catch eye. Don't catch eye. And I've seen people do some weird things with the Holy Spirit, guys. But it should never keep me from wanting to know the Holy Spirit. To have that experience. To experience that relationship, that power, that closeness and proximity to God. I mean, come on. That sounds really good to me. I hope it does to you. You know what wind is also? It's not just powerful. It's refreshing. You ever been in a hot car? You walk out to a hot car, right? You get in the hot car. Wind has been up the whole time. It's hot. You get driving down the road. You roll the window down. Wind comes in. It feels good, doesn't it? It's like, ah, whew, that was sure hot. And now it's just refreshing. The wind is just refreshing, isn't it? I mean, some of you I know didn't live before AC, you know, or after AC or whatever. So you always got the AC. But there was a time in history that wind was kind of important. It was a big deal. Cooled you off. It can be refreshing. Don't you need that? Wouldn't you love the refreshing wind of God just to come into your life right now? In the area that you feel messed up, broken, and powerless over, the Spirit of God just comes in and goes, come on. I, I don't know about you, but that, that sounds really good to me. I love the way that Charles Finney described it. So Charles Finney was a lawyer. He was also a revivalist at the turn of the century. And, and, and he had got to a point in his life where he was like, is this really it? You ever felt that way? Like you've been a Christian a long time. You're like, yeah, is this really it? Am I always going to struggle with this same old thing? Am I, you know, am I ever going to get out of this? Am I ever going to have freedom or victory in my life? I don't know if you've ever felt that way. But Charles Finney describes this experience he has. He's sitting in a chair by a fire and he begins to write this encounter that he has with the Holy Spirit that radically changes his life. And he becomes one of the most important revivalists in history. Okay, I mean, seriously, this is, this is what he writes. He's sitting in this chair by the fire and he writes this. He says, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me. And he says, body and soul. Like it's going through me. And he says, I could feel the impression like a wave of electricity. I mean, electricity is pretty powerful. Have you ever stuck your finger in a light socket? I have. Is that weird? Makes sense. I was curious as a child. 
So I put my finger in the thing. And the, boy, howdy, shot right through me. <laughs> I never wanted to do that again. But Finney says it was good. Like Finney's like, this was good. He said this, this, this impression was like this wave of energy, you know, this wave of energy going through and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves and waves of liquid love. Isn't that good? For I could not express it in any other way. And then watch this. It seemed like the very breath of God. Seemed like the wind was put back in this dude's sails. That he began to experience God on a whole nother level. That it was no longer about doing all the right things and following the rules and standing up and standing, going down and up and down and praying, oh, Father, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, whatever. It wasn't about that. It's about there was a personal encounter that led to his life being radically different. I want that in my life. I hope you do as well. I do. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10 says it this way. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Isn't that good? Like it is on a whole nother level what God has prepared for you. And then he says, but God has revealed it to us by his spirit, by the wind. It has been revealed to you this way. And when the Holy Spirit comes on you and in you, you begin to experience what God has for you. Gosh, I love that. I love that. No ear is heard. Well, that's different. No mind is conceived. Well, that's different. It's not something that just shows up in the news. It's not just something that you've seen and it's predictable. It's like, oh, look, God did it. It's like this and this. No, it's something completely different. It's something on another level. Oh, thank you, Jesus. All right. Oh, I was going to put my mic down. So I grew up. I got saved when I was 14. Okay, so I, I met the Lord when I was 14 years old in a, in a black Baptist church. Okay, missionary Baptist church. My mom and I were the only white people there. Okay, that was my beginning experience. That's where I met Jesus. That's where I fell in love with the Bible. Matter of fact, that's the place that I heard God call me to ministry. Right there. Now, after that, go 10 years down the road, I started hanging out with all kinds of Christians, like different groups of people, and they were this and that, and they weren't like cults, all right? They were like in the Christian community. They weren't like, you know, outside of the Christian community. So I wasn't like smoking peyote and sitting in a sweat lodge or something. Wasn't that at all. So it's in the Jesus community, but I was interacting with different people. And so I hung out with Baptists and I hung out with Methodists and I hung out with some charismatics and I hung out with all kinds of people. You know what I'm talking about? And I don't know if that's your experience. So maybe you've had a variety of experiences. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you had one the whole time. But I consider myself kind of like a spiritual or like theological mutt. You know, and maybe you're a mutt like me. Maybe you've had all kinds of experiences and that kind of informs your experience. And that's okay. What I found is sometimes we get so myopic, we only can see what we see or what we've experienced. You know, we're in this group and that's how we see the world. And that's fine. But God's so much bigger than that. He just is. And so I've been on a journey for the last, I don't know, 20 years of my life trying to figure out what this is all about. Because when I look in the scriptures, I see God do things that I wasn't currently experiencing in my own life. You know what I'm talking about? 
You know when you read the Bible and you're like, well, I've never seen that. And there was this part of me that's like, I'm a follower of Jesus. All these things that God says, why can't I have that in my life? Right? Like you actually start to believe. Like, wouldn't that be cool to see a miracle? Wouldn't it be cool to pray over people and see them get healed? Wouldn't it be cool to see people speak in other languages or prophesy? I mean, that seems like fun. Do you see what I'm getting at? It's like we see it in the Bible, but we don't experience it in our own life. And I, I was like, I don't want that. I want, I want it all. Like, I want all that God has for me. And so over the last, you know, 20 years, I've been exploring that and trying to figure that out and how to experience And here's the thing I've come to. And I know this sounds very simple. It's this. It's having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. That's it. You're like, really? It's that simple? Yeah. How do you know? The Bible says. That's how I know. It's very clear. And so my point is, is if I'm not experiencing it, then it's not that the Bible's wrong, it's that I'm wrong. That I have to adjust. I have to go on a journey. I have to start to explore it. I have to experience it. I want it, Lord. Would you give it to me, Lord? I want everything that you have. Would you give it to me? And that's been my journey. And I tell you, God has met me in so many special ways of encountering the living God through his spirit. And my prayer for each one of you over these next four weeks is that you would just avail yourself to it. That you'd say, you know what? That sounds good. I'm not going to let anyone or anything stand in the way of me encountering what the Bible says I can. That seems reasonable to me. And so Ephesians 4.30 says, don't grieve God. Don't break his heart, his, the Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you. Look at this. He says, is the most intimate part of your life is the Spirit. He says, it's the most intimate part of your life making you fit for himself. And he says, don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted. You know, when you thank Jesus in the morning for dying for your sins, thank the Holy Spirit for giving you power. Relate to the Holy Spirit. Don't treat the Holy Spirit like the crazy uncle you don't want to come to Christmas. Seriously. We do that in our churches sometimes. We don't even teach on the Holy Spirit sometimes because we're comfortable with the Father. We definitely love the Jesus. But we struggle with the Holy Spirit because it kind of freaks us out. It's a little unpredictable, and we like everything in nice little boxes. Because you're all a bunch of control freaks. And God's trying to help us. God's trying to keep us from, God's trying to show us how we can experience in him. So you're asking the question, how do I do that? How do I take a deep breath? How do I, how do I experience this in my life? Number one, you got to let go of fears and misperceptions. Remember I talked about crazy? Remember I talked about weird? Remember I talked about this or that? Maybe you had somebody in your life come to you and say, hey, when you go to that school, you be careful with them Holy Spirit people. You know, I don't know. I don't know what you had. I don't know what your experience has been. But, but why don't we just put those fears and those misperceptions aside? Why don't we just be open? Why don't we just say, God, whatever you want to do. Don't, don't trust me. I'm not asking you to trust me. The Bible says you should trust God. So Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust God. From the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Because you're not smart enough. You're not omniscient. You're not. So you don't know everything. That is not your experience. So stop trying to be God. 
Just simply accept the fact that God says it's true. He says it's true that you can have this in your life. Do you or don't you trust that he wants to give it to you? I believe it. I hope you do as well. I feel like I'm losing you guys. So we have to let go of the fears and misperceptions. And the number two, we have to go all in. We can't go halfway. You can't be like, well, you know, I'll take a little of the Holy Spirit. Like, I'll, Holy Spirit, I'm good with the power thing. But you know that tongue stuff? I'm out. Like, I want that. I'll take the power, but the tongue stuff, I'm out. No, I'm, I want it. You ever said that? You ever had that thought? Well, that seems weird to me. Because every gift God wants to give you is a good gift. So why would you reject something he wants to give you? And I'm not saying that you have to... Look, I, I do not believe that if you don't speak in tongues that you're not saved. I don't believe that. I simply believe that the Bible says pray to God and ask him for it. That's it. Just ask him. If you want it, ask him. And he says he's faithful. So why not, right? I'm going to talk about tongues in this series, I promise. So we'll get to that. But I just... <laughs> But we have to go all in, don't we? I mean, just do. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me conditional when you seek me with all your heart. Not when you seek me halfway. When you seek me with all your heart, you will see that God will show up. And he wants to do that in your life. And then finally, I'll end with this thought. And that is that we need to develop an intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. An intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. So I got to go all in. I got to fight off those fears and misperce misperceptions. But I also got to I I begin to work towards having this relationship. And I was reading in, in 1 Corinthians 14 where it talks a lot about this stuff. And it was so powerful. There's these two words there. And there, there's one at the beginning and one at the end of the chapter. But, it, but it, it basically says eagerly desire. Like in other words, have a passion. In other words, do I have a passion? Do I have an eager, uh, eagerness, a desire to have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit? You get me? And some of you are like, no. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. I want you to get there because I believe on the other side of that is everything that you've always wanted. It's all there for you. All you have to do is take it. God wants to give it to you. And so we have to develop that relationship. Listen to what Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. This is like a benediction. So Paul is ending his letter to the Corinthian church with this statement. He says it this way. He says, The amazing grace of the Master Jesus, the extravagant love of God, and then look at this, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's what God wants you to know. You would know Jesus, that you'd know the love of the Father, and that you would have a friendship with the Holy Spirit. And so there are three roles that are very clear here. That is that God the Father loves me. He's extravagantly in love with me, so much so that he was willing to send his son to die for my sins so that I could be restored back to God. His son, God the Son, saves me because of what Jesus did on the cross. Any man can die. They pulled him off that cross and they put him in a grave. And three days later, he came up out of that grave because he was resurrected. No other person in human history has ever done that. 
That's what makes Jesus unique. That's what makes Christianity unique. Is that Jesus Christ beat death. And as a result of beating death, he restored me back to God. That I now can be back with God because of what he did. God loved me a lot. Jesus saves me. And God, the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, if I want it, is within me. The Holy Spirit is in me. There's a place on earth where the trade winds, one goes this way, one goes this way, and it's right at the equator. Right at the equator. You have trade winds going this way, going that way. And that section was called, for a long time, the doldrums. And it was called the doldrums because there was no wind. In other words, there is a place right along the equator that if you're a sailing vessel that needs air, right, that needs wind to move, and you get stuck in the doldrums, you die. And so sailors knew not to get stuck in the doldrum if they could absolutely keep from doing it. You get me? And so this ship would set there because it was intended to sail. It was intended to have wind that would then sail that thing, right? And many of us are living in the doldrums of life. We have no power. We have no wind. And we're stuck. And God says to you, hey, you don't have to be stuck. You have all the wind you need. You have all the power you need. You don't have to stay in that place anymore. The doldrums don't have to be your home. Because you have the Spirit of God in your life. And the Spirit of God is going to blow life into those sails. And you're going to come out of those doldrums. And you're going to begin to experience the victory of God in your life. That's what God wants for you. No longer living in the doldrums. I'm living all the way. I'm going all the way. I want everything that God has for me. And I, if you want that, commit yourself to these four weeks. Begin to pray and ask God eagerly to receive the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. Never wonder again. Have faith and trust him. Begin to pray with me now. God, I thank you for each person in this room. I know that they're here for a reason. And I don't know why they came, but you do. And I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would begin to stir in the hearts of men and women and children in this room that they would experience the love of the Father, the love of the Son, and the relationship and power of the Holy Spirit. God, I, I ask for an intimate friendship to be released in this church. That we would be a people that are full of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to be weird, but we're going to be powerful. We're not going to just be saved from hell, but we're going to be able to walk through this life in victory because of the power we have in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray right now that you would release the power of the Holy Spirit in this room for anybody that wants it. 
just simply say to the Lord, I receive it. And I'm going to believe it. Even if I don't feel it, I'm going to keep believing it. The Bible says that Jesus loved me so much. He loved you so much that he was willing to come into this world to die for me so that I might be restored back to God. That's the good news. I know sometimes we experience church and we feel like it's bad news, but guys, that's the good news. Jesus died for you. The scripture says, all you have to do is accept it. In your own power? No. By faith. Just put your faith and your belief in it. Trust that it's true. God says that, the word says that he'll come and he'll make it real. You'll be saved. The Spirit of God will start working in your life. You'll start overcoming. That's what God wants for you. In just a moment, I want to give you a chance to respond to the gospel. Nobody's, nobody's looking around. I'm not going to point you out. I just, I, just want to, I just want you to have what I have. I want you to have it. And you can. And so, on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. By faith. I want you to raise your hand when I count to three. Just as a way of saying, God, I'm in. Jesus, I need you. Will you save me? Will you set me free? Will you come into my life? Transform me? So right now, heads bowed, eyes closed, just on the count of three, go ahead and lift it up as a statement of faith. Lift your hand up. One, two, three. Go ahead. Good. Good. Don't wait. You're here for a reason. Good. Good. Anybody else? Today's your day. You could walk out of this church today and not secure your eternity and not make it. I'm asking you to consider it today. Secure your eternity in heaven with Jesus today. Anybody else? Just lift your hand up. Awesome. I'm proud of you guys. If you did raise your hand, I want to be able to pray with you. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And church, we're all going to pray together so nobody feels alone. We're all praying together these words. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you change me from the inside out? Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Empower me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those that are making decisions today? The Bible says that all heaven celebrates, and so we're so proud of you. We would love for you to be able to.